Welcome to the Adapted Eye Podcast. This podcast explores ideas related to self-growth, finding meaning, and living a more fulfilled lifestyle. It's your host, with the most, Armel Tala. And it's your host, on the low, Ben Smith. We're two college students on our own path of lifelong learning with the hope that you will join us in our journey. And now, it's time for the next episode of the Adapter Die Podcast. Welcome, welcome back to a long series, a month's worth of 12 rules for life. Ben, why did we decide to do it this long? This people are on the third episode now. Probably like, dude, is this gonna be over with? Simply put, it is that good of a book. I think this episode might be my favorite of the like as far as the topics we're covering. But yeah, I mean honestly, like the lessons he teaches and the way he teaches them are different in a good way from any lessons I've ever heard. And I just want to clarify, we don't endorse all the ideas that he has, especially on the last part, um, chapter 11 specifically, or, you know, but they're just great. You always have to keep your mind open and listen. And like he said, one of his rules is, you know, one of the rules are actually going over today is, you know, you can learn something from anyone you're talking to. So keep that op- keep that in mind. But you guys, please like, subscribe, share with your friends, uh, comment below what you guys think. What, what rule has been your favorite so far? What rule was your favorite after? We finish this episode, but enough talking. Let's begin. Number seven, pursue what is meaningful, not what is expedient. So the first thing we need to give a quick reminder of is that um, we're going to be talking a lot about religious stories, specifically the Bible, because that's Peterson's background. Um, don't take these stories literally as in literal truth or even analyze them from a religious standpoint. Uh, he's going to analyze them from a very narrative point of view. Um, but don't let that affect your understanding of it. So don't take it literally. Don't even take it religiously if you are a Christian or otherwise. Um, whether these, these things actually happened and how you interpret them at church is not necessarily what he's going for um, in this analyzation. So that raises us to the question, what is expedience? Um, what is expedient? What is a, you know, why do we choose expediency? Well, again, Kind of back to the biblical references, because life is suffering, <laughs> or just back to more philosophical, really, because life is suffering, and we choose pleasure uh, over wanting to just sit through that suffering. And it makes sense, because if things are going to be tragic and you're suffering in the world, you'd rather be you know, chasing something pleasurable to make that suffering more bearable, right? And so we follow our impulses, we live in a moment, and we do what is expedient. So, But this means, at times, that you're lying, you're cheating, you're stealing, deceiving, manipulating, um, and all of that in the hopes that you don't get caught, obviously. And in, a mean, in an ultimately meaningless universe, what possible difference could this make, right? So if everything is suffering, why does it matter if I lie, cheat, steal, and you know, cause other harm to people? We're all suffering, right? But we'll go into that more. But so... One of the reasons why this is kind of built into us is because gratifying our desires like hunger, thirst, and sex allowed us to procreate and proliferate our species, our, you know, our, um, our own existence through time. And we're not complex. We weren't complex enough to understand uh, how to utilize delayed gratification. But there is an alternative 
And like I mentioned, that is delayed gratification. That is sacrificing. And in the Old Testament, this is ridiculed. The Old Testament is ridiculed with a bunch of sacrifice with animals, crops, and even children. It's a bit crazy. And but something I really wanted to like highlight was our ancestors figured out we can give up something of value in the present to gain greater value in the future. Let me repeat that. We can give up something of value in the present to gain greater value in the future. So it's like we're bargaining with the future. So the higher quality, the sacrifice, the higher quality, the sacrifice, uh, the higher quality, the sacrifice we make in the present, the more we're, we're the more we'll, we will gain in the future. And this explains like this explains a deep pragmatic truth in our society. Like successful individuals are those who delay gratification. You've all heard the stories of, you know, didn't spend any money on anything. They, you know, only would make sure they would put, get the work in and everything like that. They would, like Kevin Durant, he would give up going out to parties and all that to want to be one of the best basketball players, right? Love my man, KD. So, however, this is, fun. like I mentioned, this fundamentally opposes our natural desires to want to fulfill um, expedient things, to just want those, you know, those desires right away to gratify that. And so um, let's look at, one thing that's really interesting is that not all sacrifices are created equal. And what really shows this very well is the story of Cain and Abel. If you're familiar with the Bible, you know this. Um, if you're not, that's okay too. I'm going to explain it real quickly. Cain and Abel were, um, there were two brothers. They were the offspring of Adam and Eve. And they were both working. Uh, I guess they were tolling the fields, right? Trying to make a living. And, God asked them to sacrifice something of value to him. Uh, Abel chose to sacrifice uh, his flock of, he was a shepherd, and then Cain chose to sacrifice his crops. He was a farmer. Um, God rejected Abel's sacrifice. Um, or, sorry, he rejected Cain's sacrifice, but accepted Abel's sacrifice. And it wasn't really clear why. Um, and this kind of gets at a root thing of not all sacrifices are created equal, and oftentimes we don't understand why. And this, you see this in real life as well. A lot of times people will sacrifice a lot, and they won't actually get the outcome that they were looking for. And so that's manifest as the, the story of Cain and Abel goes, right? And a further step in this is that as a result of Cain's sacrifices being rejected by God, um, he actually took revenge on his brother uh, and revenge on God by torturing his brother and killing him uh, because he was so vengeful and angry that his sacrifice was not accepted, but his brother's was, and there was no clear reason why that was true. Um, and so the lesson there is that not all sacrifices are created equal, um, and when we are not rewarded for our sacrifice, when we feel we should have been, that produces evil and that produces vengefulness and deceit and all those other things. Um, now, one idea of what you should be sacrificing is you should sacrifice what you love most. And this is seen in the story of Abraham and Isaac. So Abraham, he was um, he's an old figure. You've probably heard of him, even if you haven't heard of the Bible, like most people, right? Um, but he wanted kids for a very long time, and God made him wait. Uh, I think it was about 25 years um, before he could have his first son, Isaac. And once he had his son, uh, God actually asked him to hike to the top of a mountain and sacrifice his son. And, and just to give context, Abraham wanted a son so bad. That was probably his one true wish in life, right? Um, God asked him to sacrifice what he loved best, his son Isaac, at the top of a mountain by his own hand as well. And so as he's at the top of the mountain, before he, he's about to kill his own son, uh, an angel actually stops Abraham and he allows Abraham to substitute a goat um, with the claim that uh, because God saw that Abraham's heart was true, he was willing to sacrifice what he loved best. He could actually keep his son. And from Abraham, his line uh, 
that is the line of people that um, became the Jews, and that was God's chosen people um, through his line eventually. So the the moral of that story is that to get what you truly want, maybe you actually have to sacrifice what you love best, and Cain wasn't sacrificing what he loved best. And one quote that I like from Peterson is, it's time to let go. It might even be time to sacrifice what you love best so you can become what you might become instead of staying who you are. Now, that's, those are all interesting ideas. One super interesting idea is, uh, shifting to a little bit of a tangent, uh, is confront what Pearson calls confronting your shadow. So just as a reminder, we all have untold evil in the depths of our souls. We are capable of who knows what, right? Um, and it's very difficult to face that. Uh, and so before I get into where this is relevant, it's also relevant to mention uh, the story of Jesus. You've all heard Jesus, but uh, there's two relevant stories in particular. Um, he spent 40 days and 40 nights in the desert with Satan. Um, and Satan continually tempted him with uh, various temptations of you know, power, food, uh, basically gratifying instant desires. And then the other more general story um, is the story of how Jesus died on the cross. He went down to hell for three days, um, defeated Satan, and then rose again. Okay. And so kind of going back to the whole evil um, thing, this, this idea is so profound to me. Um, to be someone who is good, to be someone who is powerful and asserts himself in the world, you have to confront your evil. Um, like Jesus, you have to go to hell for three days. You have to fight the evil, defeat it, um, and then you will rise again. And what that means more literally in our society and daily basis is that you need to understand the depth of your depravity, the depth of the capability of how much evil you can have, and then also understand that a part of you would actually like to do those things. And once you understand those things, then you have to choose not to do them. That is what makes someone good. That is what makes someone um, honorable. Okay. And so in the end, sorry, that was like a long tangent. Um, what Jordan Peterson is getting at through this, these stories, uh, I guess this particular story with Jesus, is that you need to live your life like Jesus to find ultimate meaning, which means you need to confront evil, confront Satan, recognize your unimaginable capability for evil, and choose the ultimate sacrificial life, which is the rejection of immediate gratification and the destruction of evil. Um, it is thought that with this type of sacrifice, you can create, quote-unquote, heaven on earth. Wow. I'm not even a very religious person, and... I hope I explained that well. You did. You did very well. I'm not a religious person, and just reading that chapter and like he re, um, hearing it again from Ben, very just, it hits you. It hits you. But what does it mean to pursue something that is meaningful? What does it mean to pursue meaning and not expedience? It depends on where you aim. And we'll go further on this on the next rule. But uh, Jordan Peterson says, to the best of my ability, I will act in a manner that leads to the elevation of unnecessary pain and suffering. I will make the world a better place. So that's very vague. Again, we'll go deeper what it means for you to aim what is meaningful, but think in the context of maybe not the entire world, but you're surrounding a better place. And to really, I could give you guys what I think, but I think it's better that I just really just tell you exactly what Jordan Peterson says, because I can't put it into any better words. Expedience is following the blind impulse. It's short-term gain. It's narrow and selfish. It lies in what gets in the. 
It lies to get in the, its way. It lies to get its way. It takes nothing into account. It's immature and irresponsible. If you act properly, your actions will allow you to psychologically, to psychologically integrate integrated now and tomorrow and into the future while you benefit yourself, your family, and the broader world, the broader world around you. Everything will stack up and align along, the, along a single axis. Everything will come together. This produces a maximal meaning. Meaning trumps expedience. Meaning gratifies all impulses now and forever. That's why we can, we can detect it, right? So figuring out what is meaningful to you will then be, will allow you to make it much easier to have those delayed gratification and to understand. Again, very vague into what is actually meaningful, but it has something that we all have to pursue. And to close it off, meaning is the way, the path of life more abundant, the place you live when you are guided by love and speaking truth, and when nothing you want or could possibly want takes anything precedence over precisely that. Do what is meaningful, not what is expedient. So in order to live a meaningful life, though, you have to do one thing, and that is tell the truth. Rule number eight is tell the truth, or at least don't lie. I like, I like how he adds that. I like how he adds that. Just, or at least don't lie. Like, Side note, that's actually a really important tangent he mentions in one of his lectures. Like he, he like thought about that long and hard, whether to say tell the truth only or to add at least don't lie. But keep mm, going, sorry. Got to watch that. But so we often lie to manipulate reality, to get what we want. That's what we're doing when we lie. And some examples might be to ensure that, you know, everyone likes you. So you want to say the right thing, even though you know you're lying, to appear competent, right? You won't admit that you don't know. To minimize immediate conflict. You lie because, well, it might make them upset if they know the truth. But we'll go into why that's important to still tell the truth. But these are life lies. And Sigmund Freud, the person who came up with this idea, is so he describes life lies as attempting to manipulate reality with perception, thought, and action so that only some narrowly desired and predefined outcome is allowed to exist. And so that means you believe that your current knowledge is sufficient, is sufficient to define what is good um, unquestionably far into the future. And reality would be unbearable if it was left to its own device. So you lie. And so as Mel put, like you're trying to manipulate reality to conform to your idea of what reality should be, right? Because in your mind, somehow you can control reality. And that is ultimately better for everyone if you can manipulate it properly. But this doesn't actually make any sense because um, you don't have that much information. You actually are not that great. Um, you know, next to nothing. Uh, and the reason, the way you know that is because if you knew a little bit, if you knew everything you should know, your life wouldn't be as crappy and full of suffering um, as it Wait, is. Wait, say that again, because that hit me when I read it. <laughs> if you knew everything you needed to know, your life wouldn't be full of as much suffering as it is. Um, so the point there, though, is that you, you, lying is your idea of how to manipulate reality for the better uh but that is just a false idea that is not true um and one easy example uh this is actually a little bit of a tangent but one example he gives is that an 18 year old decides um, she wants to retire at age 52 and that goal carries with her throughout her life and she doesn't even know why she made that goal when she was 18 um but now she knows that she wants to retire at age 52 and that's something that she doesn't even want anymore after 22 or 25 or whatever um and we said this before at least the last episode uh, a naively formulated goal transmutes with time into the sinister form of a life lie so 
I guess the the ultimate point um, that I'm trying to make here with the life lies and manipulating reality is that life lies is attempting to conform your reality to your expectation of how it should be instead of the other way around, um, conforming yourself to reality, right? Instead of conforming reality to you. Deep. But lying is a sin, right? I mean, there's obviously the reason why we just said you're trying to uh, create reality yourself. You're trying to mold it and shape it when that's not true. You can't do that. But to add on top of that, it's also a sin if you're a biblical religious person, right? And there's two types of sins, actually. There's the sin of omission and the sin of commission. So the sin of uh, omission is letting, is letting something bad happen even though you could stop it. And the sin of commission is, you know, saying something you know to be false. But omission in Jordan Peterson's mind is more dangerous. And it makes sense. And this is like refusing to stand up for yourself and just generally doing what is right. And so incrementally, every time you refuse to stop bad things from happening, you're weakening your ability to stand up against those things in the future. And so one day when something does actually need to be stopped or you need to speak up, you'll be a little bit timid because you've never spoken up before. And you never spoken up when it was a less, um, I guess, crucial or less bigger, uh, not as big of a problem. And to kind of show how this really does um, compound is this is exactly what the German guards did. And that committed the atrocities at like death camps. And so they incrementally let things get further and further. You know, first it was take people to certain places, you know, remove them from their family. I don't need to go into details. You guys understand. Um, and so and then eventually it became to them killing and um, torturing innocent people. And this is called willful, willful blindness. And willful blindness is the, refusal to, is the refusal to know something that could be done. It's a refusal to omit the knocking, the knocking sound that means someone is at the door. And so this is an extreme example. But some other ones you can think of in your life personally is like whenever you let a friend say something that's out of pocket, out of hand. And at first, you know, they make that little comment, you let it slide, but you reinforce them because you didn't say anything. They think, oh, Oh, they don't care. I said that. Let me see how far I can push it, right? And we'll talk about this more about actually why we are like that. Or maybe we went over it. But there is some rules. He talks about like we always try to test the edge. Oh, it was, it was mm-hmm. actually about it's actually about kid, uh, I think it was in the kids one. Yeah, it was in the kids yeah. one. But as humans, like we learn by pushing to the edge and then we get reinforced by society. Society tells us, hey, you can't do that. And you're like, okay, I understand. I shouldn't do that, right? And that's, but that's the idea you have to think when you're dealing with that friend is you keep, if you keep letting them say those things, but you never say something, you're not standing up for yourself, they're going to allow, they're going to keep doing it because you never put a barrier. Um, but when something bad happens, there's two voices you can have. There's a voice of truth and authenticity. And it's like, I have something to learn from this, right? So you have a good mindset. But the other voice is untruth and inauthentic inauthenticity and you say something like the world is unfair people are jealous too stupid to understand and it's difficult for um and it is the fault of something or someone else now one thing you need to be very careful of is don't fall in love with reason he makes this very clear um reason is actually symbolically represented by lucifer um so another way to say that is that uh the spirit of reason is actually satanic. Um, and the reason um, he puts this great, it is the t- greatest temptation of the rational faculty to glorify its own capacity and its own productions and to claim that in the face of its theories, nothing transcendent or outside its domain need exist. Okay, so it's the idea that you know 
everything that you need to know and nothing else important or relevant exists that you should be trying to find out. This is the spirit of totalitarianism. Um, this is the spirit, this is the idea that if we implement a certain set of ideas that we can achieve utopia because there is no other information that could create a perfect world. We have all the information that we need. This is a fallacy though. Um, believing that you know everything, that leads to stagnation, that leads to tyranny, that leads to things like what happened in the USSR where they killed millions, actually tens of millions of their own people, right? So what saves you against this idea, the spirit of reason, um, is the willingness to learn from what you don't know. You need to safely, as we talked about, place one foot in order and one foot in chaos and discover new information that can make the world a better place and give back to society uh, because that is your job to go forth rightly into the world and bring about new information that can improve the lives of others. And the truth, you know, it's painful. It, it's honestly something, the reason why we avoid telling the truth at times is because we understand the pain that's behind it. But so, but the pain is truthful for a good reason and is newly, so the way to think about this, sorry, I keep stumbling on my words, is new staggering information is transformative. You're taken aback by it um, and you found truth, but a small piece of you died to accept it. And I really want to repeat that. You found truth but a small piece of you died to accept it. The truth will set you free, but it burns away everything unnecessary and not true in its wake. So all falsehoods die in their place when the truth is revealed. To really, like, to me, that's just so, it's such an interesting way to put it because really when you are telling the truth, you have to shed things that you thought you knew to tie it back to what Ben was saying. If you think you know everything, then there cannot be any, any more truth than what you know. But when you are willing to accept the truth, you allow yourself to continue to learn. And so all ideas you have, if they're false, they must die when the truth is revealed to you. And it is only by letting go, sacrificing what you, what you want most, that you discover the truth. Let me repeat that. It is only by letting go, sacrificing what you want most, that you discover the truth. And where, but where do we start in finding the truth? Yeah, so how do we actually find truth? Um, well, a really great place to start counterintuitively is culture. Um, unless you have a very good reason to do so, uh, Peterson states, it's, it's reasonable to do what people have always done. So some simple examples is get educated, find love, have a family, you know, basic things that people have always done. Why? Because generations upon generations upon generations, I'm talking thousands, maybe even millions, have gone through life and passed down knowledge and that is transmuted or it has passed down through generations to form what we call culture of course it's morphing and changing but a lot of that knowledge is still good however one thing is that you need to be awake you need to be cautious of that cultural knowledge uh, why well while beneficial um, culture is often oppressive and uh, in the sense that it, it makes you conform to the ideas of past generations right but Sometimes that knowledge is wrong, and sometimes it falls out of date as well. So you need to be vigilant in your ability to discern what is good in the moment and what may have fallen out of date. Um, a good kind of symbolic uh, 
how do I say this? A good, good symbolism for this is culture is the tyrannical father that imposes certain routine and order on society. And the individual is the independent son. It is the hero who goes forth into the chaos and brings information that um, allows the kingdom to become whole and, and right and, and good again. Okay, so you also need to do this on a familial level and an individual level as well. So listen to your parents, but not all of their knowledge is perfect. Um, do what you think, like follow your goal, follow your goals, uh, but don't let that blind you to what you could be. Don't allow that to not let you pivot. And, you know, you pull the truth from the past because obviously they must have found some good reasons to why. And like Ben said, you don't accept everything. You have to think it through, but feel the truth out as well, right? Listen to your consciousness. A lot of times we have those gut feelings and most of the times they tell you what is right and what is wrong. So you want to listen to that little voice in your head because most, because most of the time it will actually be a good indicator of what you should and shouldn't do. So your consciousness gives you valuable insights into what your truth is. We often convince ourselves of life lies, but you can always trace back to the first instance when something felt wrong and destructive. And so again, like that's following your feelings and thinking back, like when did I first feel awkward or weird about a certain thought or thought process that I had about something? Justin, oh, <laughs> boy, I just wanted a burp, but uh, no gap. So, this goes back to what we talking, um, what we talked about. What do you aim for, right? And so, to live, to live truthfully, to live in the truth, you need to aim. Uh, you need to have an ambition and an aim, and and that aim would be better. That ambition will be will be. Again, I'm trying to frame this in the right way, but so to live in the truth, you should have an aim and an ambition, right? And that aim and ambition should be focused on your development of character and ability because these cannot be taken away from you. Wealth, status, beauty, intelligence, all of that actually I want to I don't think intelligence can be taken away from you or knowledge. I guess knowledge necessarily, but I mean you can have dementia, Alzheimer's. There's always someone more intelligent than you. It's it's a breakable paradigm. Okay. Okay. I see where it says there. But yeah, so things like wealth, status and, you know, and status related to whatever intelligence you feel that can all be taken away from you, right? So you want to focus on your character and your ability and your abilities because when you have those instilled in you, no matter where you put, no matter which, um, situ no matter what situation you are in life, you can always grow and rebound from that, right? Um, but to end it off, I really want to um, kind of quote him on some things he says. And Jordan Peterson says, if, you, if your life is not what it could be, try telling the truth. If you cling desperately to an ideology or wallow in nihilism, try telling the truth. If you feel weak and rejected and desperate and confused, try telling the truth. In paradise, everyone speaks the truth. That is what makes it paradise. Let me repeat that because that one was like, I was like, it's so simple, but it's true. In paradise, everyone speaks the truth. That is what makes it paradise. Tell the truth or at least don't lie. So going on to our final rule, rule number nine, it's been a long episode, but keep stick with us. Um, assume that the person you are listening to might know something that you don't. So to start off with, we're going to go over humility. Um, a lot of us think of humility or being humble in, in certain ways, but I think he frames humility in a really great light. Humility is accepting that you do not have enough information um, yeah, it's just you do not have enough information. And like I said earlier, if you did have enough information about life, then your life would be much more than what it is. You would not suffer existentially. You would not have such tragedy. You would be able to not only live a perfect life yourself, 
but make that happen for the lives of others around you. As such, you should be grateful and in search of any information that can make your life better. Meaning, when someone points out that you're wrong in something, you should take that as, you should be grateful for that because they are updating your systems and telling you information that is valuable for you to live a, a better life, right? Any rejection of new information, while it does need to be filtered, um, that's going to keep you stagnant. And like we said earlier, stagnation um, ultimately is actually what leads to hell in a lot of ways. And in this process of seeking the truth and accepting information from other people, having humility, you need to be able to think, right? But thinking is rare. And true thinking is rare, and so is true listening. Most of us have not actually developed this ability to think, because not because we can't, but because it is extremely difficult. And a lot of times we confuse diff different types of thinking, right? So you're probably wondering, okay, what is thinking? This is going to sound crazy. You're going to be like, no, that's insanity. But um, creating multiple personas, personalities who can truly argue for a given point of view against other your other person personas uh simply put it's like when you're thinking you truly are having a debate and argument in your mind like you're truly i guess in a way talking to yourself and having these different these different i guess personalities hold an idea and then try to argue why that idea is right and you must think and listen to each point of view but you have to let the true winner prevail again this is very difficult but it is possible and most of us begin with an idea we wish was true and then argue for it thinking this is thinking <laughs> that's funny but I, I really do want to repeat this because this is like this really hit me when i read it again mm -hmm. most of us began with an i most of us begin with an idea we wish was true and then argue for it this is not thinking though we think this is thinking but this is not thinking and so thinking thoroughly means that you're considering all possible options and deciding the best one but you aren't going in with a bias to what the best one might be. And so he talks about, this is a really interesting idea to me. What's, he, he poses the idea that conversation, specifically listening, is thinking. And so we're going to emphasize listening more. Um, but think about when you're in conversation with someone. Uh, what you're doing is, as, as they're speaking, you give them valuable feedback on what they're saying, right? You give, um, there's facial expressions, body language, uh, verbal cues, tonality, right? All these things that when the person says something, they're kind of throwing it out there. And then you yourself, the listener, um, you're giving them hints as, you know, oh, that's stupid. That's no, you're too angry about that. It doesn't even make any sense. And so what you're actually doing is you're allowing the person who's speaking to get feedback on what they're saying. And that is a form of thinking. And it is actually for most people, the only way that they can think. Most people cannot create multiple personas and have them pit different ideas against each other and then choose the best one, right? They need someone else, someone with them to listen to them and have that background, that feedback telling them, no, your idea is dumb, it's good or it's bad, right? That feedback is really what produces thinking. And so furthermore, listening to someone is is what produces a meaningful conversation right so um as the thinker as the thinker is is saying words um it that person gets feedback and they're creating new knowledge they're discovering new things right and the, the listener who's just giving their reactions for free they get free information from the speaker and that produces meaning because as we talked about in a 
past episode, meaning is having one foot in order and one foot in chaos and discovering new information, which is what's happening here, right? You're discovering new information about a situation, a person, thing, place, whatever it is. And then you both get new knowledge and you can use that going forward. And furthermore, you actually get really good social connection, right? Because the thinker feels like the listener has understood them and vice versa. A lot of times conversations are two ways, right? So the thinker and the, the listener flip and then both people feel like they've been understood, have discovered new information and made an emotional connection with the other person. And most of us know that not every conversation we'll have, really most conversations aren't going to be meaningful, right? And so they're rare. And a lot of times, instead of truly listening, we, one, assert our place in the dominance hierarchy. So this is often people telling, you know, funny stories that are more likely off topic because they weren't actually listening or just saying something interesting. And then jockeying for position just to show how wonderful and intriguing your life is. This is that person that always wants to talk about their amazing extravagant weekend when you guys were not even bringing it up. No one cares. Right. And two is to attain victory or, you know, um, win in this quote unquote battle to show that your point of view is correct. And this is another form of asserting um, your position in the hierarchy. So this is... De- denigrating or ridiculing the uh, um, other people's point of view that hold maybe contrary positions. And then this is you using selective evidence while you're doing this. So a lot of times you will have an argument, but you only pick the evidence that's going to support you knowing that there's other things that might contradict it. And so, but finally, this is someone just trying to impress the listener to how smart they are because they know all these things about this certain topic, right? This is not true comprehension. No one's really learning anything. And um, these are these are other types of conversation. And there's other types of conversations that are covered in the book as well that aren't like real, um, real meaningful conversations. But a lot of times we all can spot when we're having like that deep that not even just deep, but meaningful. And a lot of times that does um, correlate to deep. But a true conversation kind of has, I guess, three aspects to it is people are given the opportunity to speak. People are truly listened to. And the goal is often to allow the speaker to think, like Ben mentioned, and by having a listener or to solve and discuss a problem together. And to repeat, a true conversation has three aspects to it. People are given the opportunity to speak. People are truly listened to. And the goal is often to allow the other person to think by having you as a listener or to solve, um, discuss a problem together. The very last thing we're going to talk about is how to listen. So we talked about kind of like listening is important for conversation. It gives meaning to conversation, but we often don't do it. Um, So how do we listen? Um, An easy method that Peterson talks about is actually something we've talked about in a previous episode recently and never split the difference. Just summarize what the other person has said, right? So um, when someone gives an experience, um, they talk about what has happened to them, uh, take whatever it is that they're experiencing and try to give it back to them in a few sentences. And that's going to be very helpful because um, first off, it's very helpful for the person hearing your summary to hear a a concise synthesis of their thoughts. And then second off, it shows the person that you're actually listening. And then thirdly, um, it gives them a chance to rectify whatever mistakes you might have made in your summary um, or say that that's good, right? Um, And then you kind of both come to a consensus of what has actually happened. Um, And that's good because that further creates new knowledge, right? Um, So a quick reminder, um, so that's just an easy method, but a quick reminder with listening. um, Listening requires humility. You actually have to believe that the person speaking has something to offer. um, And then through that, the speaker is actually thinking. Listening is actually thinking. A conversation is thinking. Finally, um, 
a quote from Jordan Peterson. So listen to yourself and to those with whom you are speaking. Your wisdom then consists not of the knowledge you already have, but the continual search for knowledge, which is the highest form of wisdom. Assume the person you're listening might know something you don't. Wow. And I mean, they, these were probably my three favorite rules. rules. Yeah. I think they're especially the pursue what is meaningful, not expedient. And then also like, don't lie. Like, like, at, like at least, at least don't lie. Yeah. Um, those are the best for me. I think, and again, I really do believe these rules stack up on each other. And the way I see it to happen is that pursue what is meaningful, not what is expedient. Right. So delay gratification, um, focus on doing things that are meaningful, meaning that you are trying to do something bigger and better than just yourself and fulfilling some desire that you may have, but thinking long-term, thinking in the future, right? But in order to be able to pursue something that is meaningful, be able to, in order to be able to actually pursue something in the future that you may deem meaningful is you have to tell the truth. You have to be truthful to yourself. You have to be truthful with the people around you or else if you, you know, bend reality and everything, you're, you're creating fabrics in reality. You begin to live in lies. You begin to live in parallel universes that really aren't what you want, right? And that truth that you think you set really is just filled with lies. So you want to tell the truth to be able to discover what is meaningful and actually walk the path of meaning. And then last, what is it? Last is that you um, assume that the other person you're listening to, um, the other person you're listening might know something you don't. And so the way I see this all connecting and tying this back is that in that road to finding the truth is that you have to understand that you don't know everything and that you don't know what is actually, what may be true for everything that you, you know, presumably have in your mind, right? And like Aristotle says, the reason why he believes, um, I can't remember the quote exactly, but the reason why he's smart is because he knows he, uh, the reason, <laughs> the reason why he can understand things or the reason why he's smart is because he knows he's not smart and he knows he doesn't like know things, right? He doesn't know everything. And so by one, figuring out what you want what you want to be meaningful right pursuing that meaning you have to tell the truth and then you also have to be open-minded to hear that everyone around you might be able to help bring you closer to that truth and that's just the way i see all three of them connecting and they like really do add to each other definitely i think a different way to kind of look at it um this is this is how i look at it it's just a different perspective from mel but saying the same thing is that the sum of all of these rules is greater than, like, the sum of the parts is greater than the whole, right? So I wouldn't say the order of any one is necessarily important, but if you start with one, um, of course, there are some that kind of preclude others, but if you start with one, just focus on one and keep developing them, by the time you get to, you know, even rule five, honestly, um, or, you know, just getting five rules down, uh, you'll have lived, you'll be living a greater life than you ever thought you could, in my opinion. Um, and if you get to really master as best as possible of course you can't master these rules um perfectly because then you'd be jesus but um and of course there's even more rules honestly um you, he has another book actually but uh when you master these rules then they all coalesce together to create something that is greater than any one rule implemented would give you um in your life so that's how i see it i hope that'll make sense also i'd like to say that these ideas are really really hard to explain um he the way he explains them in the book requires a lot of like prerequisite knowledge and the and the introduction and as he builds throughout the book. So just know this is like these ideas are difficult to distill and then explain in a way that is not the way he explains them, which is might ex I, I know I had some trouble at some parts, just kind of like giving a really good synthesis. And so if you're wondering why, that is why I, I just felt like somewhat inadequate at some parts of the podcast and explaining. We are definitely inadequate explaining this. Only Jordan Peterson himself can really 
you know, put this justice. So check out his, um, you know, uh, uh, lectures. We'll, we'll try to link it. I'll try to remember to yeah. add it. But you guys know what time it is. My favorite part of the episode, a quote or quotes from Amelicus Melius. <laughs> 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 Got to do it every time. Every time. But no tree can grow to heaven unless its roots reach down to hell. Carl, how do you say his last name? Jung. Carl Jung. No tree can grow to heaven unless its roots reach down to hell. Real quick, what that means, we went over it. You have to confront evil, confront Satan, confront your capability for doing terrible things, understanding that you would like to do them and then choose not to do them. Sorry. No, I just wanted yeah, to emphasize no, I definitely that. needed that. Definitely need that explanation because some people might interpret it different ways. And it's good, you know, you have your interpretation, but it really does tie into what we were talking about earlier. Last but not least, Jesus. That is the archetypal story of the man who gives his all for the sake of the better, who offers up his life for the advancement of being, who allows God's will to become, to become manifest fully within the confines of a single mortal life. That is the model for the honorable man, Jordan Peterson, right? So making those sacrifices, we cannot be Jesus, but we can pursue to want to live a life that is honorable that is full of truth, that is open to hearing others and learning. And yeah, that's really all I have to say. That's all I got. With all that being said, you guys, thank you for listening. Make sure you like, subscribe. Uh, definitely, you know, a lot of information packed together. We have one more episode. Stick with us. One more episode. One more, one more. And then you guys are going to get hit with some long discussions long, about this book. Long discussions. Long, long discussions. So with all that being said, make sure you guys check out all the links down below. We appreciate y'all. Till next time. Peace.